0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, I am Michael Matt, and this is The Remnant Underground. So I want to get to this Father James Altman story, which a lot of people are talking about. One term I wanted to define before we get started, and that is the term sede vacantism, sede vacantism, which basically is Latin sede vacantism, the empty seat, which means there are certain people in the Catholic church who are so flabbergasted, so scandalized, By what's happening in the vatican right now that they say this guy can't possibly be the pope francis just can't possibly be the pope first i want to talk about a couple of housekeeping notes that are more or less connected as well this right now is about the last chance by the way to sign up for the catholic identity conference out in pittsburgh it's going to be big. This is everything's happening at once right now. It's all breaking. This is happening right on the eve of the synod. And I'm really excited to announce that we're going to have live and in person now, His Excellency, Bishop X. He's going to be delivering the keynote speech on Saturday night of the Catholic Identity Conference. And I'm not going to tell you who he is until he takes the stage, but it's a big deal. I think I just heard yesterday we're up to 30 vendors. Uh, we're expecting about 700 people in the room. Uh, students, young people, you only pay $50, and that's for everything, including meals and the whole bit. So really want to stress how the importance of getting young people out to this conference. You are the future, and there's a war going on, and old guys can't fight wars. So we're going to need to uh, to get you guys involved. Yes, Walter. Don't forget to mention the uh, live stream. That's right. That's right, we will have live streaming now. We've sold enough seats, obviously. The thing is basically sold out. There are 45 seats about left, but we will have live streaming of the the entire event. So click the links below here, uh, and I hope to see you there. Also, big time, mark your calendars. Huge thing. We've been talking a lot about this Synod. People say the Synod on Synodality, which is out there like a planet, right? It's going to be bad. A lot of people say, yeah, you talk about it, but what are you going to do? And I'm really, really proud to say that I will be joining up with my friend and ally, John Henry Weston of Lifesight News in Rome, just down the street from the Vatican, right after, the day after the Synod from Hell uh, concludes. Now, Cardinal Gerhard Muller is going to be there. Uh, Bishop Joseph Strickland, oh my gosh, I'm so excited about that. He will be in Rome uh, with us. Of course, John Henry will be speaking and several other... Really, erudite, excellent speakers will be there. Now, the remnant is co-sponsoring the Rome Life Forum, so I'm, you know, very happy to be doing that. You can go to RomeLifeForum.com, I believe, Mm -hmm. uh, to get all the deets on that. So, obviously, obviously, friends, uh, Houston, you know, we've we've got a problem. It's 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 getting worse by the day, you know, and that's why we want to talk about this. You know, where do we put ourselves? How do we resist? What does that look like tonight? Uh, this just in over at you'll see that Pope Francis incredibly is going to be speaking at the pro-abort globalist Clinton Foundation, their, their big event just next week in a few days. Pope Francis is going to be chatting with Bill Clinton himself. The womanizer, I mean, the biggest, this is such a scandalous presidency, and for whatever reason, the the Vatican is not afraid in the middle of the Me Too movement to associate with this guy and to put Pope Francis in a position to be just endorsing the Clinton Foundation, you know? Not surprising. We had, we had video the other week. Maybe Walter can throw that up on the screen of Francis meeting with Alex Soros, George Soros' son, and Bill Clinton, weirdly enough, a few weeks ago. Obviously, they were setting up for this big event next week now here in New York. You know, they're going to talk the big issues, because you know, the, the issues that really matter in the world. Not, not apostasy, not abortion, not gay marriage, not transsexualism, not the destruction of the family. None of that matters to Francis right now. No, no, no. He's going to be talking with old Slick Willie. About climate change, of course, and the refugee crisis, which is what they're calling it now. It's a refugee crisis, don't you see? Also known as illegal immigration. Now, I guess what's happening here is Francis' new hot-button issue is this immigration thing. Now that we have another presidential election here in the U.S. coming up, kicking into high gear. And that evil nationalist is going to be on the ballot once again, presumably if he's not in prison. And so here, then, is the brand new Apostolic Nuncio from the Vatican to the United States of America, apparently, friends, stumping for the Democrat nominee, whoever that happens to be. The problems today are huge. You know, let's take one example, which is very, very important in the United States the problem of migrations. You know, it's amazing to see that as soon as we speak about migrations, you know, the politicians fight between themselves. And they should not. Because, you know, uh, uh, United States has always been a uh, country uh, countries of migrants. What should we, we former migrants, you know, uh, do not accept uh, uh, and uh, to, to receive new migrants? <coughs> well, help, help me out here. I mean, <laughs> Eminence, you can't possibly be serious. I mean, I don't mean to be insulting, but you can't possibly be this stupid. You can't possibly be this ideological that you have to pretend that you don't know the difference between legal immigration and a wide open border that at the moment is overrun by drug dealers and child trafficking. You don't know the difference there, my friend. Cause, cause we do, we Americans do. We know the difference. I, I personally am the grandson of immigrants eminence, but my grandparents, they came here legally. You see the difference legally your eminence. My grandparents took an oath to the Constitution of the United States of America. They learned the language. They became citizens. And I'm sorry, Eminence, but if you don't know the difference, (laughs) maybe just stay home. You know what? Our country does not need another woke ideologue pretending to be Catholic. And meanwhile, the Holy Father continues to become the golden boy of globalists everywhere. Because guess what? He's back. Again, I don't think that there is a necessary clash between religion and science in this field. Religion can be very helpful. If you think, for example, about uh, the climate crisis, so we have seen the current Pope making some very helpful statements and trying to enact a good policy, uh, giving motivation to people to prevent the, uh, the t- further deterioration. So it's no wonder then that Pope Francis is working on part two of Laudato Si. Pope Francis had not had any official meetings for days, but then he revealed the possible reason for these absences. So, As I said, Houston, we've got a problem. I mean, obviously, this is a serious problem that, that affects the entire world. So I get it. It couldn't be much worse right now. So when a Father James Altman decides to post a video called Bergoglio is not the Pope, I understand. I understand the frustration, you know? When I first got started in this movement a long time ago, about 30 years ago, I was tempted to do the same thing. He was so frustrated. You know, we came off the Assisi thing, you know, when I was pretty young. uh, And you see what's going on. You're like, wow, I guess guess this just isn't the Pope. You know, it's a temptation to kind of fly off and let that go. You're going to feel so good, you know. Mahatma Gandhi told that if all men and women, whatever the differences between them, cling to the truth with, respect for the unique dignity of every human being a new world order a civilization of love can be achieved but well, the trouble is friends we have we have people who showed us how this is done a long time ago people who are who are really powerful traditional catholic people who are in my opinion, are, are going to be recorded by history as the saints of the era. I'm, I'm just old enough to remember Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre, for example. As I've told you before, I actually received the Sacrament of Confirmation from Archbishop Lefebvre. Uh, he was my father's friend. These, these discussions were, were going, you know, back then already. This is nothing, this is nothing new. I remember when, like, the Amlers, uh, the Gibsons, they were, all, they were all together in the early 70s. My father was, was talking to those guys, Mel Gibson's father, trying to convince the traditionalists to go to Australia. That's why Mel Gibson ended up in Australia, for example, where it might be safer. We maybe could set up some sort of a Catholic, you know, commune or whatever it was. My father never, never went for it, but this is how far back it goes. You know, over the years, I've, I've spoken to Mel Gibson's father lots of times, Hutton Gibson, before he passed away recently, not too long ago absolute saint of a contest no no slouch he's a smart guy delightful fellow but this you now he was pushing for the state of a contest thing a long long time ago it goes back a long time but at the very beginning of all this at least as, as early as the early 1970s you had the example of archbishop lefebvre uh, the remnants lead columnist for 30 years my beloved friend and mentor michael davies he wrote the apologia pro marcel lefebvre so we do have in other words we have source material. We have precedent to look, to look to, to try to guide us through this. And we have to make good on it, friends, especially for those who've been in it a long time. They can share wisdom with us, and we've got to listen to it. got to listen to that wisdom. Don't be reactionary. Not right now. It's dangerous because we're all frustrated with what's going on. We all like to tell Francis exactly where to go. In fact, we pretty much do that every Sunday night here in the underground. So I, I get it. But it has to be within the parameters of what's considered the Catholic attitude towards the crisis. And I remember the whole saga of Archbishop Lefebvre, my friends. Nobody suffered more at the hands of the Vatican than that faithful Archbishop Lefebvre, who stood against the whole world by himself with his friend Castro Mayer, right? Je ne suis qu'un évêque de l'Église catholique qui continue à transmettre la doctrine, constatant cette volonté ferme des autorités romaines actuelles de, nous, de réduire à néant la tradition et de ramener tout le monde dans cet esprit de Vatican II et cet esprit d'assise, nous avons préféré nous retirer. C'est pourquoi nous avons envoyé une lettre au pape en lui disant très clairement « he never denied the, the Pope's primacy, friends. And before we take another breath, I want you to think about that. Why didn't he? Why didn't he go take that step? Because that gets right to the nub of this controversy controversy that we're talking about tonight. In fact... Archbishop Lefebvre's Society of St. Pius X. People don't know this when they say the society's in schism and all that. The Society of St. Pius X priests, I think they're up to about, what, 700 priests. For 30 years, for 30 years, every single day, at every single Mass, Archbishop Lefebvre's priests have been praying for the very Pope who had excommunicated their founder. Now, why did they do that? Don't you think they have, all people on earth, had the right to say, he's not the Pope. We're done with him. We're going to go start our own thing. But you can't do that. So they stayed and they prayed for the Pope at every Mass. They pray for the Bishop at every single Mass. That's a funny kind of schism, isn't it? And it all started with Archbishop Lefebvre and how he handled this diabolical crisis. Nobody's... Underestimating the diabolical nature of this crisis that we're in, so people say, "Well, yeah, it takes it takes courage to proclaim Francis has lost his primacy. That takes guts." <laughs> I don't know. If I were to do it today, I could fall right into a very loving set of arms from a, a full movement that would embrace me and, and salute me for my courage, finance my efforts, right? As it is, we're walking this razor's edge, and you got St. Vitus saying you're a coward, and you got neo catholic saying you're a schismatic. Everybody hates it. You see, because maybe that's just the way you have to be right now. Our 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 fathers and mothers in the faith, what did they do during the crucifixion? During the crucifixion of the mystical of of the body of Christ, we're, we're living through the crucifixion of the mystical body of Christ. What did they do during the first crucifixion? Where were their options? Where was their safe haven? They didn't have one. The man who said he was God was walking, was was, was being driven with whips and clubs to the place of the skull to be crucified like a criminal. So who did they turn to? Peter? (laughs) He had denied Christ. Judas? He betrayed Christ. The Jewish priests and elders? No, they had plotted for his life to kill him. The Romans? They were crucifying him. Who did they turn to? Where did they get closure? Where did they get the easy answer? There wasn't one, friends. That's how this started out, you see? And that's what we're facing right now with the crucifixion of the mystical body of Christ. So, no, in, 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 in my opinion, I think it takes much more courage right now to hang in there like Archbishop Lefebvre did when everybody wants to beat you to a pulp and everybody says you're a fool. We're still accepting that this man somehow, in the mystery of iniquity, is still the Pope. That's not a popular position. But we're not alone in this. We're seeing God's hand, God's intervention right now. We're watching another man take an example or take a page out of the book of Archbishop of Lefebvre. He's doing it again right now. His name is Gerhard Cardinal Muller, Right. And people say, well, yeah, but he used to be one of them. You can't, really? I wonder how many of us would have the courage that this man is demonstrating right now every single day to take part now in this ungodly synod on synodality next month. He's been invited by the Pope to take part in it because he wants to keep him close. He wants to keep him under control, presumably. Cardinal Muller called the Pope's synod, as we've said down here dozens of times, he called it a hostile takeover of the Catholic Church. Now he's going to land in Rome, and he's going to take his car right into the Vatican, having told the whole world that this synod is is stacking up to be a hostile takeover of the Catholic Church. Do you have that kind of guts? (laughs) And then he comes out just this week, Muller, and he warns the world against, quote, false prophets who present themselves as progressives and who have announced that they will turn the Catholic Church into an aid organization for 2030 agenda. That's Cardinal Muller. He did it this week in an interview with Infovedi Comments on our website right now if you want to check it out. He continues, God's universal will to save is the future program of his church, not the Great Reset. End quote, but he might as well might as well have added, You got that, Francis. He's resisting Francis to his face, dear friends. He he, he writes, even Paul once openly opposed Peter's behavior without, of course, questioning his Christ established primacy. Do you see what that is? That's we resist you to the face. Do you know what that means? For the first time in my life, 30 years we've been at this. My father was at it 50 years before me, right? For the first time, we have a prince of the church. I don't care what he might have done wrong previously. He's waking up, which is what we're praying for. He is standing with the resistance. He's standing with us. He's standing with the children of light right now because his eyes have opened up, obviously. He will be at the Catholic Identity Conference next month. Do you know what that is? That's slumming with the little rubes. As far as the Vatican people, the Vaticanistas are concerned, (laughs) he's going to be at the CIC. So shouldn't we be strategizing on how we're going to go about standing with him? Remember, this is the guy who went on international TV and said this the basis of the church is the word of god is a revelation and not our uh, strange uh, reflections about this and these things this is a system of self-revelation and is the occupation of the catholic church is a a hostile takeover if they will succeed but that will be the end of the catholic church and we must resist (laughs) I played that clip so many times because you know what for about three decades that's what we've been praying for somebody who would finally wake up and say you know what the emperors naked in this case it's the pope and you know what that takes courage he is a cardinal he was he was he he was Pope Benedict's the head his top theologian he's not some guy running his mouth in front of a camera like I am he's a prince of the church do you realize how much courage that takes and, and and for the purposes of my discussion tonight, because I'm not a theologian, but I like to think of myself as a fairly able strategist, right? I'm a fighter. That's effective strategy, what we're seeing. We're seeing the most effective strategy maybe that we've ever seen since the days of Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre. Cardinal Muller went out there and put millions of people worldwide on notice I'm talking about the folks, the millions that watch EWTN, the folks that read the New York Times, the folks that watch Fox News, the folks that follow us at Remnant TV, all the people who are attached to the Society of St. Pius X, the, the National Catholic Register, everybody and beyond. Every conservative-leaning Catholic saw that happen and realized we've got a crisis of biblical proportions that motivated Cardinal Mueller to stand up and say that. And for the most part, we're standing behind him right now. We have been. All of us. So I'm not out here tonight because I want to take a shot at Father James Altman. He's a a man that I know, that I've met. In fact, I had him speak at the Catholic Identity Conference a few years ago. You know, he's a good guy. I just disagree with the strategy. And my disagreement, again, is based on 30, 40, 50 years of experience, right? And I'm not saying that makes me infallible. But I think that we should all kind of slow down and and, and and think about that, talk about that. What worked in the past? What didn't work? <laughs> People say, well, you're a coward, Michael, Matt. You won't say it like it is. Well, maybe. <laughs> I like to think I'm not. I like to think that you know I'm not. You know, I mean, 2007, I was personally placed on the Southern Poverty Law Center's hate map as a leader of a hate group. Did, hate group. Did you know that? You can Google it. There I am. I have seven children. At the time, they were all very young. It would be so much easier now with the FBI rounding us up, locking people up without probable cause or with God's due process. Don't you ever think that maybe I thought it would be a good idea to shut all this down and just go home with my wife and kids and just wait this out? Because they're coming after all of us. I don't say this to brag, I say this and no, it's not a matter of being cowardly. In fact, it might be a sort of a refreshing, closing, beautiful thing to just say, you know what, Francis ain't the Pope, I don't have to worry about it anymore. That sounds kind of attractive. But it's not the answer. Theologically or strategically. Strategically. Let's talk about that for just a few minutes, because here's the thing, friends. What is Francis first and foremost? I think most people would agree he's a bully in a big, big, big bully pulpit, right? We all know that, that's what he is. So how do we deal with a bully? You gotta hit him where he's weakest, right? You have to oppose him where he's weakest. Now remember one thing, this man has gotten rid of everything. He got out of the papal apartments, he got rid of the red shoes, he got rid of everything. There was a, moved into a hotel, trying to show his little black briefcase, the whole bit trying to show us again and again that he's a man of the people, right? The one thing he never nixed, though, is what? His white robe. The white robe, the white cassock. Why is that? He is the guy dressed in white. He is the, one, the man living in the Vatican. The entire world recognizes him as Pope. And guess what? Francis doesn't give a damn if we say he's not the Pope. In fact, that's what he wants us to do. So if we hit him there, you're not the Pope. You're not the Pope. Well, we're hitting him right where he's strongest, right where he's strongest in the eyes of the whole world. That's where he's strongest. You can't contest that because the whole world, that's your jury. They're all looking at the guy dressed in white, living in the Vatican, like, well, of course he's the Pope. These traditional Catholics are a bunch of nutters. And that's what he's counting on. You see, he's trolling us, friends. Because he wants us out of his way. Now, think about this. I've got friends who are Sede Peccontists. This is not a personal grudge match with them. There were guys, I don't know, one of them was John Salza, I think, that were writing books against the Sede and They wanted me to get on, on, on board with all that. And I'm like, you know what? I want nothing to do with that because I don't blame the Sede Peccontists for the scandal that they feel in their in their hearts. I just disagree with them. You see? I'm similarly sc- scandalized. I just disagree with the approach. And the reality is that Pope Francis, for all his, you know, on, on, on the plain interviews and statements, r- raving against Catholic, traditional, faithful Catholics, he never says one word about one group. And that's the Sede Vacantis. Again, for your Protestant friends, Sede Vacantis, those who say the seat is empty. We have no Pope. Francis seems completely unbothered by them. Why? Because he's not threatened by Sedevich You see? He's not threatened by those who say we don't have a Pope because he can look at the whole world and say, do you have a Pope? And the whole world says, yes, you're the Pope. So he never mentions them. Conversely, he's positively obsessed with us, isn't he? He is obsessed with us. Why? He's obsessed with diocesan priests, who offer the Latin mass, diocesan priests, why? He scolds us on a weekly basis, calling us rigid and pharisaical, why? I'm seriously, why? Ask yourself, why? Why is he fixated on us? Why isn't he fixated on those who say he's not the Pope? It's because he knows they're never gonna get that off the ground. So he cancels our mass, why is, why is that? Why is he trying to drive us out of our own churches? Don't you get it? It's because our opposition, friends, is growing stronger every day. You did that. I did that. We all did this together. What do you think? Some sort of a piece of poetry when we say unite the clans? It is working, friends. All over the world, it is working. We're staying in the church. We're resisting. We're not leaving. And Francis is literally freaking out over it now. We have cardinals. We have bishops. We have priests. We have 20,000 sharp pilgrims. We have Catholic media personalities such as EWTN's Raymond Arroyo and and, and Robert Royal and, you know, Father Murray and these guys, right? Yeah, we got those guys are all sounding like remnant columnists now suddenly, right? But we also have non-Catholic Pretty powerful media influencers who are also seeing straight through what Francis is doing. I find it interesting that the current Pope is talking about evil. The last Pope is talking about evil. But I think they're kind of pointing at each other a little bit. You know, I don't think they're on the same side. I think they're both using evil, but I think they're not talking about the same evil I'm not not saying that we all agree on every point but we agree on this I've been on Steve Bannon's show a couple times Steve Bannon put the president of the United States in the White House a few years ago A powerful guy he's on to Francis of course we mentioned Cardinal Muller Archbishop Vigano leading the charge, Bishop Schneider, the entire Society of St. Pius X, the entire Fraternity of St. Peter. These are thousands now of priests, tens and hundreds of thousands of faithful. The Institute of Christ the King, the Society of the Good Shepherd. How many more can I name? Lots more, along with literally hundreds of diocesan priests and many bishops. Not enough, but they're coming along, aren't they? What we're talking about here, friends, is millions of Catholics worldwide, lay Catholics worldwide, too all getting stronger every day against the Francis Revolution, which enti- it also entails an awakening about the revolution of Vatican II. This is a pivotal moment in the history of the church. Yes, it might be the end of the world, but my gosh, are we going to go down swinging with a lot of people? We are not going to send the scaffold by ourselves like Archbishop Lefebvre did. There's a lot of people now, a lot of powerful people. Don't believe me? Look at Bishop Strickland. The Vatican is making fools of themselves trying to shut this man down. Why? Because he's too doggone Catholic. And guess what? The world sees Bishop Strickland as a sympathetic character. You don't even have to be Catholic to look at this holy man on his knees and say, why is Francis the bully beating up on him for being too Catholic? Do you see how it works? But when we stand up out of frustration, out of love, out of dis- desperate concern, I'm not, I'm not describing any evil motives to anybody who does this. But when we succumb to the, I think the temptation to stand up and say Francis is not the Pope, we jeopardize that worldwide coalition of opposition, right? We divide it and we, we, we threaten to destroy it. We divide it right down the middle, and friends, for what? Does it does it change anything? I use the analogy like we're we're on a battlefield. The enemy is advancing. They're vastly outnumbering us. They have better, more powerful weapons. They're right in our faces. And (laughs) I look at you and I say, "Well, hang on a second, though. That the general that's leading these bad guys—he's not a real general. (laughs) He's a fraud." What? difference does it make? They're going to kill us. History and a future pope will tell us what the general is, what Francis is, at some point. But our job now is to simply keep the faith of our fathers and resist anyone, even the pope, who tries to destroy it, exactly as St. Robert Bellarmine told us to do, and so many other great theologians. And we say, he's not the Pope. What do we do now? We're we're doing it right now. I had to do a show over this. Because as soon as we say this, we began fighting with each other. As soon as one of us starts in on this, and this is the way it's been for years and years and years in my experience, somebody says, I can't take it anymore. He's not the Pope. Then what happens? Instead of focusing laser sharp on the problem, which is in the Vatican, we start focusing on each other, citing each other in, right? Taking each other out rather than formally resisting the Pope. And that's where Francis wins. Because then you factor in the spiritual component of this discussion. And as I say, I'm not a theologian, but the theologians out there have an entirely different take on this and one which we as faithful Catholics are obligated before God to prayerfully prayerfully consider. Let me give you an example. We've all taken a tremendous amount of consolation from our friend, Bishop Athanasius Schneider, right? Standing with us again and again, speaking at our conferences, you know, taking up the cause, leading us in many ways. Well, do you know where Bishop Schneider stands on Pope Francis? I do. In fact, he just sent me an email just this morning in which he broke it down for us. And here's what he says. He says, the Pope cannot commit heresy when he speaks ex cathedra. This is a dogma of faith. In his teaching outside of ex cathedra, he can commit heresy. And since the Pope is not identical to the entire church, the church is stronger than a singular erring Pope. In such a case... We must respectfully correct him, resist him as a bad father of a family. We know the truth, and we must proclaim it, repairing the errors of the Pope. And since such a case is humanly irresolvable, we must implore with supernatural faith a divine intervention, since that singular Pope is not eternal but temporal, and the Church is not in our hands." But in the almighty hands of God, we must have enough supernatural faith, trust, humility, and the spirit of the cross to endure such an extraordinary trial in such relatively short situations in comparisons to 2,000 years of church history. We must not yield to a too human reaction, but keep sobriety and true supernatural view in mind. It comes from a man who I think most people who know him personally consider him a holy man, a man who is motivated by the things of God, a prayerful man, a man who is trying to help us, trying to help the church, trying to serve the church, trying to serve the Pope by resisting him. You may disagree with Bishop Schneider, but that's the same argument that Archbishop Lefebvre used 30 years ago, friends. I know I was there. You can read it today that is an argument by a respected theologian who again and again has, den- has demonstrated his courage by standing with us and against the agenda of Pope Francis. We can say to those spiritually blended or arrogant churchmen of our day, high ranking churchmen, who disdain the treasure of the traditional rite of the Mass and who persecute Catholics who are attached to it, we can say to them these words, you will not succeed in overcoming and extinguishing the traditional rite of the Mass, no. Now, I have a question for you. Do we really want to alienate bishops? Imagine moving ahead for the next year, two, three, four, five years without the likes of Bishop Schneider giving us that constant consolation that God has not abandoned his church, that he will stand for truth even against the Pope. Do we want to alienate him? Do we want to alienate the entire Society of St. Pius X, which has steadfastly refused to embrace the state of a contest thesis for the same reason I just broke down from Bishop Schneider's letter to me this morning. Do we want to alienate the fraternity of St. Peter, which right now is recruiting tens of thousands of people from the Novus Ordo into the embrace of Mother Church and the traditional Latin Mass? My children are over there in the catechism classes with these nuns and these priests in the fraternity. They're saving lives. They're saving souls. They're saving families. Do we really want to alienate them, too, do we want to alienate Cardinal Mueller, Bishop Strickland, just so that we can go out and say something that feels so good? I get it. It feels so good in the moment to say it, but that the theologians tell us we have no authority to proclaim. And once we proclaim it, then what? Where do we go? The reality has always been, and the theologians assure us of this, That God, history, and a future pope can be the only judge of a sitting pope. That's Francis. We can't do it. And this is not to be angry at those who are. We just this is how I see it. This is how many theologians see it. This is how Archbishop Lefebvre. We simply can't do it. And I get it. (laughs) Man, do I get it? I do not blame. <laughs> the state of account, the state of accountants for the ex- for the scandal that we're all experiencing right now, it doesn't belong at the feet of the state of accountants. It belongs at the feet of Francis, whom we must resist as loyal sons of the church. We must resist as loyal sons of the church, who now have hierarchical representation, re- resisting Francis as well, Bishop Strickland. Those who would propose changes to that which cannot be changed seek to come near Christ Church, and they are indeed the true schismatics. Bishop Schneider. You will not succeed in overcoming and extinguishing the traditional right of the Mass, no. Cardinal Muller. If they will succeed, but that will be the end of the Catholic Church, and we must resist. Friends, this is, this is what Francis fears most, and there's going to be more of this. And that's not even all of them. There's a number of them that are are doing the same thing. We've been praying for this all of our lives. And you say, well, God's going to save his church. What's that going to look like? Is that just going to be a big magical explosion from the sky? Or is he going to work through members of his church to save his church? I put to you that we're looking right now at the means by which God will restore his church. Men in the church waking up. And that's where we focus as lay people, supporting them. People say, I could never do that. I mean, they used to be with the Novus Ordo. They, they're Novus Ordo. Again, two words, Archbishop Vigano. Do you know who installed Cardinal Blaise Supich as the Cardinal Archbishop of Chicago? I am truly pleased to be with you today. As His Excellency Blaise Joseph Supic is solemnly installed as the nine archbishop and the 13 chief shepherd of this beloved community of faith. Now, who ever would have thought that the man who installed Blaise supich in Chicago would be writing for the remnant and leading a counter-revolutionary charge against the synod on synodality and what's going on in Rome? This is the supernatural hope and confidence. As Catholics, we must have confidence in God. We are not going to save the church. God is going to save the church. And we must be, as I say down here almost every week, be praying and be w- waiting for these bishops to come over. We have one right now that we're looking at and thanking God for in Cardinal Strickland. I mean, Bishop Strickland, the very latest. But there's going to be more. We can't just, just <laughs> well, Bishop Strickland used to say the new mass. Oh, so he's not one. Of, really? You, you can't do that. You can't, we can't do that. We talk about diabolical disorientation. All of us have been diabolically disoriented, but thank God, friends, many of these bishops and priests are waking up, right? And we stand with them because that's what Francis fears most. As I say, he doesn't care if we tell our wives and friends at you know cocktail hour that he's not the Pope. It just isn't going to bother him. So for God's sake, friends, in conclusion, for God's sake, let's just let God Judge Francis, while we stand together against the errors of Francis, you know. I mean, again, I've I've been I've been in this fight for thirty years, and I got to tell you, I have never in my life seen unity of purpose like we have right now. (laughs) Don't blow it. It worked. The clans are united. Don't blow them apart. What we're all doing together right now is working to serve in the vineyard of the Lord, to stand with the church, to do what we can to make sure the faith survives through us. That's our job. You don't believe me that Francis is threatened by that? Just just, just, just look at Traditionus Custodius. This is a desperate act by a desperate tyrant who is running out of time, friends. It is working. And all while this is going on, you see and you feel this resurgence of faith in communities all around the world. I told you this summer about the Sharp pilgrimage, but a lot of other pilgrimages just this morning. (laughs) I got a little note from a young guy in Argentina. His name is Maximo, and he writes the following. He says, Dear Mr. Matt, I've been following your videos for quite some time with my mom. We love the Catholic tradition that we discovered a couple of years ago. I wanted to let you know, just to raise hopes, that this past weekend, we had a pilgrimage from Rosson to Lujan's Basilica, which is 100 kilometers in three days with 1,600 people walking. We were fighting for, the, fighting for and promoting the traditional Latin mass. It was an incredible experience as it is every year. I will send you some pictures to spread the news. See you. Maximo. See friends, that's what it's all about. Maximo is what it's all about. Maxi at Maximo down in Argentina with his mom sifting through the ruins, building up the altars again, starting over, proving to themselves and to their community and to the whole world and to Francis that no force on earth can crush the faith of our fathers. Unite the clans, Maximo. God will save his church in his time. Just make sure that you're in the church when he does it.